0: Thank you, Lord, um, for this day. We just thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you for worship. We thank you for yeah. We thank you for everything, Lord. We thank you for um, just the provision we have, even in this country, and the freedom we have we pray for you know, those brothers and sisters that don't have that freedom we pray for the, the people that are in need right now lord jesus that you'll provide god people that need to just see you lord i just pray for a provision and for you to move in their situations <clears throat> so thank you lord thank you for this word amen um cool um I'm Chucky, if you haven't met me. Um, <laughs> Man, um, so yeah, last few weeks have been really awesome and um, I've learned a lot. And um, this is back to Carbon and then died a few weeks. She's back in form. <laughs> and um, yeah, I've been, um, I think, you know, I mentioned maybe five, six months ago, or whatever that, she had a little testimony about how, like, I was just praying, slightly frustrated, saying, God, I really can't read very well in terms of, I'm not illiterate, right? But just to just focus, you know, just like sitting down and reading God's word. I, I could only read like a chapter, and then I'll just get bored or whatever. I just wouldn't get excited. So that was one of the kind of two or three things I was just really seeking God on, and um, that was probably a year ago. And um, yeah, i was just I shared a while ago that God really changed me in that area. And um, now, I, so I started in like started reading Genesis like five months ago. So now I'm happy to report I am 40% into the Bible. <laughs> I looked up, I googled it. So I'm at, I'm at um, yeah, end of Kings, Second Kings. Woo. And that, that's honestly a... Um, that's, uh, you know, I know the Bible because I kind of, you know, been in church for how long? And I have read throughout and stuff. But I'll tell you what, to read like that is something new for me. So I want to encourage you guys, if you're in that same boat... Um, pray into it. In fact, let's just pray quickly now. Thank you, Lord. Please, for people that just need some encouragement and just uh, you know struggle to seek you, Lord God, may may they just find that yeah, that place, Lord, that place of rest, that place of of you yes. and us, Lord God. Amen. Anyways. <clears throat> Yeah, so man, I've learned so much over the last how many months. Like, I mean, I talked about Joseph a little bit last time. Just fascinated about like parts that you read and you go, "Oh my gosh!" Like, yeah, Deuteronomy thirty-two, right? Um, it's like the, you know the end of Moses' time; and he's about to he's about to pass away, and. He shares this, like uh, they call it a song, it's like poetry and it's, it's beautiful. But when I was reading that, I was like, Hey, that's referenced in the New Testament, so is that, so is that. And I was like, What the? I couldn't believe it, <laughs> it sounds silly, but then because you know, you recognize it from the New Testament areas, you know, like you know, Apostle Paul, you know, they kind of referenced kind of a random scripture, and it's like, Whoa. And then at the end of Deuteronomy 32, we won't read it, but at the end, it's, it says, um, Moses says, hold on to these words, you know, like, keep it in your hearts. Just meditate on it day and night. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what the New Testament writers did. That's, they had the Old Testament, you know, and treasured that. They treasured those words. And no wonder they referenced the Old Testament and, you know, that, that bit of literature so much. It was a, uh, so I Googled it. It was like one of the top five, whatever. <clears throat> I Googled everything. Okay. <laughs> now you've got a chat GPT. All right. So man, I was like amazed. And then, uh, you know, I kept reading through. Oh, I got really fascinated with the story of the book of Ruth. It's four chapters. If you've got nothing to do tonight, I just read four chapters of Ruth. That is a person that you want to be. It's so good. Um, her character, and, she's, and you know what? She wasn't even an Israelite. She was from Moab or whatever. And she became, and God was so good to her, and she became a part of David's lineage. And She's not even part of the Israelites. Anyways, I, I found out, and I just didn't realize. And then I read Samson, and man, he's a troubled guy. <laughs> and I, I, you know, the Bible stories, the, the kids' Bible stories don't really tell you all of it. They kind of just touch on how strong he was, but, He was actually a really troubled guy and he didn't, he was someone that um, knew of God and was, you know, ordained or whatever, you know. um, But didn't, if you look through the story, he didn't actually know God and he he didn't have a relationship and he, he turned away and, you know, and then some bad stuff happened to him. I was like, wow. <clears throat> and then you look at, like, Saul. And it was the same thing. Like, Saul got uh, anointed to be king, even though it wasn't really God's will, but, the, the, you know, the, the people petitioned. And he knew, he knew God, but he knew of God, right? And he was... He was one of God's people who was is an Israelite. And yet he didn't know God. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can know of God, but knowing God is like a separate thing. And that was like with Samson, that was the other people. And then, <clears throat> I'll skip David for a second, but even after David, Solomon was blessed with wisdom right and then he book he wrote you know um the whatever that book is after psalms proverbs <laughs> <laughs> right but if you if you compare i was really like intrigued in comparing david to solomon and even though solomon was so wise you found, I found in the in you know in the scriptures that he didn't really ask God many times throughout his decision making. But David, he, he, but in comparison, look at you look at David, and he like it was like at every turn he would be consulting God, and he goes, God, what do I do? So even even though Solomon was so wise, he kind of it's almost like he wasn't a bad guy, but he. He, he lent on his own understanding a lot. This is my take, my impression. And um, yeah, and then he, you know, really fell into the ways of the world and had how many hundreds of wives and whatever, some ridiculous thing. And then, and then that kind of brewed the rest of the, you know, the next kings and that, and they all were, you know, turned away from God. I found it so fascinating. Someone like, you know, so wise and stuff can almost neglect a relationship with God and lean on their own understanding. Does that make sense? Wow. Like, you know, the smartest man in the world or whatever can just lean on their own understanding. And, and I bring it up because that's so what we can do. That is so related to today, that is, I know how old it is and whatever, and I know it's Old Testament, but that is so relational to all of us. It was a gentle reminder to me that we've got to, um, we've got to be asking God. You know, does that make sense? And I skipped over David a little bit, but David was amazing. But you know what happened with David? So you know, we all kind of know the story, and he was the the youngest of the family, and whatever, and then you know, um, they went through the, the brothers of the family, and then the prophet was like, "No, nah, no, nah, not him, not him, not him," and then who, who who else is there? Oh, there's there's the young boy the tending the sheep, and and then he got chosen to be king of Israel. But you know what? You or he got anointed, rather. But. The He he didn't turn on and and start being king straight away. He actually served Saul for I don't know how many years. And then Saul really hated him and then tried to kill him a number of times. And you see David, through all this progression, he knows that he's meant to be king and chosen. And so one could forgive someone for knowing that and then, you know, well, saying, no, this is my right. You know what I mean? Instead, he served Saul, and then he had a chance to kill Saul and didn't, and said, my king, I'm not going to, I would never do that. Isn't that amazing? When, when Saul's trying to kill him, and then he had a chance to kill Saul, and he said, no, I'm not going to do it. Wow, man, what character? What character? And he had to live. He had to had to escape and then live in the Philistine land. And he was serving the Philistines. It's ridiculous, like the enemies of the time. He was serving them. Wow! And he was meant to be king of the other nation. That's just amazing. But he stuck to his. That's he stuck to his character and he stuck to God. And he read through all, all of those stories. He's like, God, what I'll do next. God's like, go oh, here, do this, whatever. That's that's amazing. Yeah. That's kind of what I learned a lot. So I wanted to um, bring up, um, I want to read through Matthew um, 6.33. Now, we would have got it on the screen, but we don't have the screen. So bear with me. But you, pretty, pretty much everyone should know or would. Most of you guys would know this scripture. Jesus said, um, but first seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. And um, I think Di mentioned it a few weeks ago, and then I was thinking about it a few weeks earlier and stuff, and what, uh, what um, appealed to me or what kind of took me um was the as well part. I never kind of realized the as well. So all of these things will be given to you as well. So, so what is the as well? If you read kind of just the context just before of it, before it, if you remember Jesus was talking about don't worry, don't worry about your clothes, don't worry about your, what food you're going to eat. You know, he's basically talking about not, <laughs> not worrying, <laughs> not worrying about life, and being anxious—if anything, the only thing we should be anxious for is God. And um, so that's the as well. So what? What is the not as well? The the you know the main emphasis not the as well. Bit, if that makes sense. Um, that's His kingdom. That's that's Him in us. So you seek. You seek him, and then, you know, the next chapter, just, just right, quickly after it, he talks about the ask and seek, and you shall find, right? So I think it's kind of, even though it's the next chapter, it's all kind of related. It's um, seek, you know, seek in His kingdom, and you you will find it, and um. So I, I talked about the, the David and the Ark uh, a while ago, and I find that story fascinating. Um, when he became, became king, the first thing he instructed, instructed and, you know, the, first, the opening speech, if you will, the, the first thing he was going to do is go get the Ark back because the Ark was stored somewhere and kind of ditched the Ark of the Covenant And then, but yet, yet he writes in, uh, I think it was Psalm, I don't have it written down, like 139, I think. It's that Psalm where he says, you know, in the depths you are there, in the heights you are there, that that Psalm, if you remember it. So David wrote that Psalm as well. It's so interesting that David knew God was all around, but David also sought to get the Ark ark of the Covenant. It's like, for me, that how I interpret that or how I see that is that God is all around us. Like God created everything, God is, is here, but seeking God is, is another thing. It's that desire of seeking his righteousness, seeking his kingdom. Does that make sense? It's like, I don't know, I've just been thinking about that a lot. Um, you know what's awesome? Uh, the other thing I read was, um, I wrote it down, John 117. Um It's kind of the intro to John, obviously the first chapter. And it says, you know, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came to Jesus Christ, came through Jesus Christ, sorry. We know the truth came through Jesus Christ, right? But we don't kind of, we don't ponder about the grace bit. It's amazing. Imagine if just the truth would just be, you know, that's the truth kind of thing. But the grace supplemented or, or complemented the truth just as much. Like Jesus was gracious. The gospel is gracious. It's compassionate. He moved with compassion. He actually, you know, did something. You know, there's, there's scriptures throughout the gospels where it says Jesus. Moved with compassion, it actually, it wasn't like, "Ah, oh, I feel for you." It was like, I-, "I feel for you, and I'm gonna do something." So, how good's that? That's the um, the beauty of the gospel. It's, there's grace in it. It's just as important as truth. Uh, cool. Here hey, we go for time. Sweet. Um, yeah. want us to read um, Romans 12 uh, verse 1 and 2. I think it's another popular scripture we know. Um, so verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies to live in sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We'll stop there. I mean, there's, it's a loaded verse and there's so much we have talked about, so much of that. Right? But This is what I wanted to point out. It doesn't say that you need to be great. It doesn't say you need to be perfect. It doesn't say you need to be anything at all. (laughs) Does that make sense? You just you just can come to God as you are, and that's so beautiful. Like we don't have to. You don't have to be anything. You don't have to. Try and perfect yourself, you present yourself, he perfects you. I 'm um, reminded about that. you know Paul describes it as he 's the author and the perfecter of our faith you 've got your little bit of faith you 've got your little bit of mustard seed, whatever, whatever analogy you want to take. And God's the perfecter of that. You don't have to muster up all of this. I have to be someone and I have to push and strive. You just come as you are. That's the beauty of the gospel. How good is it? Does it make sense? Anyone? Yeah. So then verse 2 in Romans 12, it says, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind you know, why do we need to be renewed? Oh. And one of the reasons is, if you think about, even just from the start of time and, and you know, Genesis 3 or whatever, wherever it is, and um, Adam and Eve, we were created to be in direct communion with God. And then since that fall and stuff, and then they realised... They became self-aware. Like in other words, they, ever since then we've become self-focused. Our eyes are more on us than I guess what we were intended to be. And that's why we need to be renewed. Because it's, it's just our human nature or just, just our instinct is to think about ourselves first yeah cool I love it all right um, the other thing I wanted to touch on is that you know again i'll I'll mention david but and then and Jesus as well but you know in in the gospels so many times Jesus you know, the, the gospel actually mentions that he retreated to pray or t- retreated to, to be with God. or Actually, that's Jesus doing it. David did it too. You, you, um, you see it in the Psalms. I mean, someone to write, you know, half of or whatever the, the amount of Psalms. Like, obviously, there's a dwelling place that he would have gone to to spend time with the Lord and um, the same with Jesus and and it's it's no coincidence that that the gospel's pointed out so much and I guess this is my kind of question or thought or encouragement to you guys that I think we need a, a like a dwelling place like Sorry, don't get my words wrong. So God dwells in us, obviously. But we get so busy doing stuff. And then perhaps we do pray, but we're like shabba-dubbing about something else. And uh, my <laughs> my thought is, You know, I mean, the Old Testament and how it's structured, and you could, I guess you could apply it, but the whole idea of the Sabbath and rest, I mean, God, God rested, God dwelt in the garden. It's, it's actually throughout Scripture that there is an important importance on, on just dwelling with God and resting with God. And so, my, my, my question or encouragement to you, and, and this is kind of a testimony, I've found, got to, I think you've got to find your place where it's you and God and no distractions throughout whenever, a couple of times a week, whatever you want to do. But I really found that I've kind of set aside some time when the kids are in bed and it's late. And I'll go for a long walk, and that's one of my times with God. I think it's so important because otherwise, you can fall into the trap like Solomon and just not have, or, or maybe maybe the others are a better example, but not have a really good relationship with God. You know of Him, and then you you know you pray and whatever, and and, and you know what? There's, God can move through you, and as you pray, and as you step out, there's nothing in Scripture saying, no, you've got to, you know. Like, God will move through you, but that doesn't mean that you're in communion with God. Does that make sense? So I really, especially over the last year, I've really, like, found just some time with God and setting out some time in these places you know, busy schedules I had something to think about um, yeah, cool I was, um, it's a little bit random but, you know, reading through and I'm kind of, I said I'm up to kings and, you know, he talks about um, Elijah and Elisha and and, um I went, you know, I'll skip most of the story, but um, it's that time where, if you know the story, that there's no prophets in the land. This early Elijah, and there was 450 prophets of the other god, and they did a test who who would burn down, burn the the sacrifice or whatever, and the Baal prophets are going nuts for hours and. Nothing's happening, and whatever, and then Elijah makes it rain, <laughs> and then, um, and then you know that 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 evil king is, you know, um, trying to find him to kill him. Because, oh yeah, because they killed the other prophets, Anyways, Um the false ones. You know, what I was taken back in, in First King. It describes it in in chapter 19. Now, Elijah says, Lord, I've had enough. <laughs> Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. He's just this emotion, emotional side, this human side of him comes out. And that's so applicable to us too. Like, this guy's a righteous guy, but he is pretty wrecked at that time. He's pretty tired. And he said he's had enough. And then, you know, God kind of meets him in and that and, and God says twice, why are you here? And Elijah's reply is, I'm zealous for the Lord. Whoa, man. That's, he could have said, I don't know why I'm here, I'm stuffed. Or, no, so he's, yeah, he's tired, he's emotionally erect and tired and stuff, but he's so zealous for the Lord. Yeah, and then... Some amazing stuff happens. But my point is his response. Like we can get anxious and tired and weary, but it's it's your response of, Lord, I, I am wrecked, but I, I love you. Does that make sense? Is ah, that cool? Okay. Yeah. Um... I kinda of wanted to wrap up with and then I don't know what we'll do. Um, this is the other thing that's taking me back. Um, in Matthew sixteen nineteen, you mentioned the, the verse earlier just before about the Peter on the rock and whatever. So the verse after that is I'll I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you would be bound whatever you bind to on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosened in heaven. I've been thinking about that for a while and then but when I first thought about it, I was like, Alright, the binding thing I get, da, da, da you know, Praying against this and whatever and all good stuff. But what's the loosening? And I guess one of my thoughts is it's, brother, I forgive you. Or, forgive me. That's the loosening. That's the, oh God, forgive me. Oh God, I, you know. Does that make sense? And then what's intriguing is that what if you loosen on earth, will be loosening in heaven. So I was really reminded about you know, Acts 7, uh, Acts 7, and Stephen, and you know, if you know that story, and he gets stoned to death, which is a cruel way to go. But you know what he does right at the end, before it all happens? He forgives them all and says, You don't know what you're doing, I forgive you. That's for me, he's loosening on earth. And then, guess what? Acts, and then, you know, Paul is there, which is, was Saul at the time. And in Acts 8, guess what happens? God meets, meets Saul on the road. I wonder if Stephen didn't do any of that, which he's probably entitled to, you know, to me, I wouldn't blame the guy. But I wonder what would have happened if Stephen didn't forgive Paul for what he's done. I bring that all of that up. I mean, because firstly, I'm fascinated by it, but secondly, we kind of don't. We don't. We just don't think about what's happening in the spiritual enough. I reckon. I, I, I'm not like a super spiro guy, whatever you know, whatever term. But I kind of am a little bit because we just don't. Like, why pray, right? Because God knows what's going to happen or what is the future or what the future holds. But it's almost like, you know, there is something fundamental about speaking something out that shakes up heaven as well. Isn't that amazing? I think it's amazing. We we kind of have this, you know, set of human eyes, and we don't we don't actually see in the spirit what what is happening, and that's kind of why throughout the Bible, prayer is so important, and it's kind of fundamental, and I guess that's kind of the crux of my message, um, and talking about all the people in the Bible who talked to God and who didn't. Um, but man, it, I guess it's encouragement for our church, like, and, and you guys, and all of us, and myself. Like, yeah, you can be the smartest person on earth, but you can neglect um, a relationship with God. and And that's kind of to your detriment. Hmm. Yeah. So I think we'll. I think we'll. I'll pray, and then I'm gonna hand it over to Calvin, and and um, he can do what he wants. <laughs> cool. Thank you, Jesus. We need you. We need your presence. And, um, you know, we may, we may be one and, and there may be 500 others that, you know, are against us. But it doesn't matter. It's not a numbers thing. God, it's, it's you and your presence and being with us. So we, we pray, God, that um, we can seek first you, Above everything, Lord, when anxiety and stuff comes our way, we, you can teach us to renew us, to uh, set our minds on Christ, set on our minds on the things above, and um, have focus on you. And Thank you, Jesus. I pray you meet the needs of people here and people that need you. We all need you, God. thank you God thank you Jesus mm. thank you Lord God just yeah renew us in our hearts and God, you said love rejoices in the truth, and I thank you for that, because we hear that at all sorts of weddings and stuff, but it's actually a joy to know your truth, and that's a good way to live, thank you, Lord, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Lord, all right, cool, maybe Dan, you want to jump up as well?
1: Awesome. Uh, Let's just, yeah, let's just, um, let's just really think about that as we end in worship. Um, yeah. Just that part of Elijah being at the end of his wit, if you will. End of himself, basically. And um Yeah, just the emotion that pours out of him. What's funny is he, he just did the greatest miracle that was called the fire from heaven. So the experience that Elijah had in real time was like wow. And a lot of times we base God, <clears throat> we base relationship with God on our experience, but it's not the experience and the events that get, that get you through. You know, it's not that that experience didn't get Elijah through. As a matter of fact, it was pretty much right after that he was like, just take me like Chucky was just saying just I'm done and I think we have to it's almost like we have to get pushed to that point where we're at the end of ourselves because for God to ask what do you want for Chucky to point out that his response was I'm just zealous for you it's like we got to get to the end of ourselves and and that has to be our response. Like it, it can't be the next event. It can't be what makes, you know, an experience that's like gets us all bubbly emotionally and gets us all worked up because life is not meant to be lived by experience from week to week or day to day. It's actually be, it's actually meant When we go through the pain and go through the hard stuff, where's our zeal at? What are we actually going after? Because it's through that point that Elijah got pushed to the brink, that he came to the realization, I'm going after you, God. I'm not going after the fire. He didn't say, give me another fire experience. It was like, no, I want you. He was zealous for God, he wasn't zealous for an event, he was, he was zealous for God. And we see that because even in the New Testament, it talks about the earnesty of Elijah was through prayer. He, he as a natural man, experienced the passions that we all experience and we see it of what Chucky pointed out in, in the Old Testament, yes, he was highly emotional. He was ready to call it up, you know, call it in and just like, I can't do this anymore. sure all of us have gotten to that point where it's like what's what's tomorrow gonna look like because today it was just the worst i can't do this anymore family trouble issues at work school just life troubles but it's being pushed to that point where you hear god even asking what do you want our response has to be I want more of you. I'm zealous for you. It's a really powerful message, man. Right? And and it's really it's really coming from your heart and what you've been actually in relationship with him. Guys, it's almost like we're at these crossroads where church the way we're used to it being and just that emotional feel and that emotional fill up like like filling our tank up emotionally that's not i'm sorry that it won't be here because the church is not meant to be a place where you get that emotional injection of life and get to that point where it's like oh okay that's all i needed and We actually have to get so grounded and rooted that the pain and the uncertainty and and all of the things that we go through in life, it doesn't drift us or pull us away from God. It actually pushes us more into him. And we have to not allow the enemy to push us to and fro, but take the faith that God has given us and let him perfect it because he is the author and the perfecter of it. We don't have to be any more than who we are. We just have to surrender and let God make us, let God build us, let God pour his heart into us so we know what it looks like to walk with grace and truth. That's what the church is. That's who we are. That's a powerful message you just preached. I'd encourage all of us to just go back and listen to it. He said a lot of things in there that just really points to one thing, which is having an authentic and sincere relationship with God. And that is not made up of all of this perfection. It's made up of our humanity and pouring ourselves to him and out to him, allowing him to pour who he is into us. He said he would build the kingdom. We don't have to do it. He said he would build the church we don't have to do it we are the church let him build us let him build you quit pushing all the other things aside quit allowing your emotional state to drag you into a place where it's dark where it's you know hard where it's and you stay there we're not meant to stay there We can be honest about it, we can be truthful about it. As a matter of fact, we ought to be truthful about it. Yeah, it's dark, yeah, sometimes it's hard, and guess what, that's what life is. It's going to be that way. 10 years from now, you will face another trial that you weren't ready for or prepared for. But if you look back 10 years before, you can see how your faith in him brought you through that trial. Come on, we're the church. And the church doesn't show its power by everything being perfect it shows its power by the sufferings we go through and say yes god is still in control i want to be zealous for him Woo! shooky you preached a fire message man because i can feel the presence of god that's who we are as the church guys and it's not going we're not drifting from this we're staying on the mark with this we have to dig deeper in him there are no more excuses no more well i got this thing going i want to put my life on home I, we heard a song just coming here talking about I'm, I'm not ready to pray i'm not ready for god i'm not ready what none of us are ready we still got to surrender It's not about being ready it's about giving up that of of what we think oh i want this ambition let me get this dream and then i'll bring it to god let me just get myself together you can't get yourself together you just got to come to him when that conviction hits your heart respond to it respond to it be zealous for god because that's who we are we're the body we're the church god will show his power through us if we just submit and be obedient to him uh, i'm gonna pray because i i want to i want to lose some things i want us to be in agreement and just lose some things from the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven I just want to lose the zeal of god that we will have such an incredible desire for him that when we think about worship when we think about the presence of god we see it as such a privilege to be in his presence even when hell is breaking loose in our own lives it's such a privilege to just be in his presence it's such a privilege to just pray and seek him Like him, like God, our Father. It's such a privilege to see what Jesus went through and the suffering he went through to the point where he was unrecognizable so he can get on the cross and say it is finished just to bring us back in the place of reconciliation with our Father so that the gates of hell could not prevail against his church. How much of a privilege is that? To be the body. Oh, yes, Lord. Father, I pray right now that you lose the zeal that those old patriarchs had lord you lose the zeal that abraham carried you lose the zeal that elijah carried you lose the zeal that david carried, you lose the zeal that jesus carried for his people for us to bring us back to you father loose that same seal and put it in our hearts lord that we will prioritize your spirit above all things lord That we're not worried about how society thinks of us. That we're not worried about the latest trend or the latest fashion statement. We're not worried about what people say about us. We're not worried about how people call us super deep or super spiritual or super religious. We wanna be the church we want to be the people that carry your power we want to be the people that are willing to go through the suffering just as paul was lord because we know it is for the sake of you getting all the glory for the flesh will not glory in your presence but it is your spirit that will have our glory. We will see the healings. We will see the miracles. We will see even people raised from the dead. Not because it is something that just happens to blow up, Lord, but because it is your spirit. It is your church, and it is us being our natural state in the supernatural, Father. We want to carry your zeal for your people so that the world will know you have been sent yes Lord let your fire be loosened in our hearts let your fire be loosened in our thoughts Lord let us think on you let us search you Lord let us be hungry for you Father it is not about performance it is just about being in your presence it is about being in relationship that's what you want from us you want to be with us and we want to be with you Lord So the same heart you have for us, Jesus, we pray, Lord, that you will loosen it now, here in us, in your body. The same thing that you carry, Lord, the same agenda, the same strategy, the blueprint you set out for us, Lord. Put it in our hearts, oh God. Put that hunger in our hearts, that hunger for your word, that hunger to understand your word. The hunger to receive your revelation from your word. Put the hunger of prayer in our hearts. The hunger and the spirit of intercession loose now in the name of Jesus. Loose it upon your people, Lord. That we will mature in you. and We will not let the things of life control and shift and make and lead us down a path that is not you, Lord. But that we will look at those things in life and say, I can confront this because the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We overcome depression. We overcome anxiety. We overcome the stresses of life. We overcome it because the light overshadows, the light overcomes darkness. And there is no darkness in you. Lord, I pray that you put in us what is in you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Let us be mature. Let us be strong. It is not us trying to promote our strength and our natural man. It is promoting the strength that is in you. So we can come to you as weak vessels. Because it is you that fills us up with your strength. Have your way in us, Lord. Let your will be done. Let your truth and your grace be declared in every single one of us, Lord Jesus. Let us be the walking gospel, Lord. Renew our minds. Renew our minds. Renew our minds, oh Lord. Take our minds off of the things that you've already said would be taken care of and added to us. And put our minds on the kingdom. Lead us, Holy Spirit. name let's just worship God let's just worship him with the chorus